If you wanna turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 18. And if you're using one of the church Bibles, you'll find that on page 1052. Luke chapter 18, and we're reading from verse nine. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Amen, and we thank God for his word. Just as I was getting ready for uh, what I was going to say today, I must have had a, and something that gave me cause to uh, reminisce a little bit to the extent. I don't know whether any of the guys, probably about my age or maybe a, a little bit older, but do you remember when you would have been watching Western movies? Uh, so it has to be my age or older. Um, but the significant thing that you would have done, and I'm sure I am evidently not the only one who did this because something I saw on TV last week uh, gave me the impression that every guy my age did this. But when you watched a Western movie, you had to get your own toy rifle out. Is that right? You're too young, Brian. You're, I'll not say what your age is, but you, you told me this week. Um, you, you did that, I know, and as well as doing that, the other question that I particularly remember asking my dad is, which guys are the baddies and which guys are the goodies? Because I didn't want to shoot the wrong ones. And not that it was very hard to tell the difference between them, because in those cowboy movies, what color of hat did the goodies wear? White. And the baddies always wore a black hat. So it was pretty obvious to see the difference between. So it was very visual. You knew exactly what was, what was going on. Now, the parable of Jesus that we have read just today, um, we're conditioned to think that every time we hear the word Pharisee, that we think baddie. So that's the guy with the black hat. And everything that we would know about him, we perceive in a very negative way. And yet that notion would have been quite shocking in, in Jesus' own day, because to the people of Jesus' day, the Pharisee was very much the good guy. He was the, the pillar of society, and it was the tax collector 
would, of course, would have been the, the bad guy. Um, we may not like tax collectors <laughs> or the inland revenue today very much, but by and large, we imagine that people who work for the inland revenue are very respectable. Uh, they dress in their fancy suits and that they um, are, are, are pillars of society, honest and trustworthy and good. So that's the way we think of them. But it would have been very different back in Jesus' day because tax collectors would have been despicable, uh, treacherous, they were collaborators, they worked with the Roman authorities. We would be familiar with the fact that the Romans uh, simply demanded a, a set amount of, of tax to be collected, but it was the job of the tax collectors to get that amount, and anything that they got beyond that was their own responsibility, so they could get and take as much as they wanted beyond that. So in Jesus' day, you didn't simply tell jokes about tax collectors or that you made sarcastic comments about tax collectors. In Jesus' day, if you came across a tax collector, you probably would have been tempted to lynch him in a bustling market street and everybody carried little daggers inside their cloaks. It was very easy to stick a knife literally into the tax collector. When a tax collector walked past you and it was very obvious that you couldn't harm him in that way, you at least spat in his direction and you would have called him all manners of things. So tax collectors were very clearly the, the baddies and the Pharisee, well, they were regarded as the goodies. They were the churchmen. They were the model of holiness. They were the patriots. And if we were maybe to try and give this parable a modern setting, we might say that this is the parable of the church elder. Nice crowd sitting in front of me. And the dirty, rotten scumbags, the rest of you. <laughs> so... This is Jesus in many ways turning everything upside down for, for them. And it is a reminder as we go over again these words of Jesus, that when it comes to the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of heaven is not what we may have been expecting. No, it's, it's this idea when you walk into the kingdom of heaven and you see for the first time who's there, there is this possibility of amazement. He's here. How did he get in here? There is this element uh, possibly of surprise, and that's the shock factor of what Jesus is getting us to think about. So pretty obviously, as we're looking at this story, there are two men uh, that are mentioned here. You look at verse 10, it says that two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. So two men went up to the temple to pray. But what we would notice in the essence of what this story is about is that we would have expected these two men both to have prayed. And in that sense, they prayed sincerely, believing that they both would have been connecting with God. And yet, the extraordinary lesson here is that only one of them, one of them connected with God and the other one 
didn't. I mean, you can look at verse 14, where Jesus says, I tell you that this man, rather than the other, so there's only one of them, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. So the, the purpose of this story, in many ways, is to try and unsettle us to a degree where we might feel nice and comfortable with our religion and with our Bibles and so forth. And we can be very familiar with the story that we can begin to put real people into this story, people that you know, so that when you think about the good guy, you are always the good guy. And so you want to put yourself into the story and everybody else might be the bad guys. And yet, the way that Jesus pens or speaks this story is that this story is not written to somebody else. It's not written, as it were, to the bad guy or the who is perceived as being the bad guy. This story is addressed to you. So it's you as you are. So you're the one who is being weighed in the balance by the, by the word of God today. And that's the, that's the scary part of this. So there's two men and there's evidently two prayers. Uh, what was so wrong with the Pharisee's prayer? It's not hard. If you look at verse 11, it says, the Pharisee stood by himself and said, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. Now you can imagine this was someone coming to their GP and he would be coming into his GP and he would be saying, look, doc, I am the model of fitness and health. My lungs are functioning perfectly well. I am the ideal weight. Um, everything about me is spot on. And you would then wonder to yourself, why would someone like that ever go to a doctor? What could the doctor ever say to that person? Because that person is thinking is that I'm completely right. There is nothing that is amiss with, with me. And that's why Jesus in other places says, it's not the sick, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, it's the, it's the sick. But this man only came to God to prattle out his own beliefs or knowledge about God. Um, I mean, you can look in contrast to how the tax collector approaches God. Look at the end of verse 13. It says, he would not even look up to heaven, but he beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And where it says there, a sinner, technically when in the sort of original for this, it's the sinner. So this guy doesn't see himself as being one amongst many. When he's thinking about himself, it's like he's saying, I'm the worst out of everybody else. I am the sinner. And yet, he's the one that Jesus says goes home justified before God, the one who sees himself worse than anybody else. So, We've had these two men, and they evidently come with two prayers. But as we begin to reflect upon it a little bit more, I think there's probably two issues that, that come out of it. And the first one 
to maybe make it more real to us. It, I think, asks the question, how hungry, how much do you actually want God? How hungry are you for God? Are you desperate that... That's the only thing that you're really concerned about today is that you might meet God, which is why it's very appropriate sort of a passage to think about today as we come to the Lord's table, because I think in our tradition, on a day like today, we come and, and we're very focused on meeting God and encountering God. We, we want to meet God afresh as, as, as we, we, we come to the, the elements of, of bread and wine later on. And the Pharisee comes and the, and the question we would raise is, are you re- is he really wanting to meet with God? And if you were in Jesus' day and you were answering these questions, yeah, you would say that the Pharisee met with God. He, he came, he did church. He went through his routine. In his eyes, that's what it was all about. And yet, he missed out on God, according to Jesus, even though he was the one that was going through the routine of what, what he thought it was to encounter God. And so communion Sunday for us, in the context of the Pharisee coming to worship, Communion Sunday reminds us that this is not a charade or it's not a facade either that we're putting up or a pretense that we are presenting to the outside world or to one another, but that we come into this place and we want to encounter God. And the question is, how much do we really want to encounter God rather than simply going through the motions of what we do. It's not about A, B, or C in that sense, but it is about connecting with God here in this place. Why was the tax man heard? Why did God hear the prayers of the tax man? It's because he wanted, he, he wanted and he expressed his desire to meet God. And that's why he went. He didn't go to be entertained, but as a sick man goes to the doctor, wanting to be healed, so the tax man comes, wanting to meet God that he might be healed. And so the parable here asks the question to us again, is how much do you really want to meet God here in this place today? To cut through the facade and to meet God and to seek God and to know that if we miss God, we're missing out on on, on eternal life. And so the Pharisee, well, he goes home confident that he has met with God. And I would urge you not to live that self-deluded aspect of the Pharisee's life, that he believed that he met with God and to be content with how well we know God or meet with God. But God would desire to be in all of your life today, to confront you with the reality of who you actually are. So we come to meet with God. And so if that's the first issue which I think this parable may question us about or present to us. How much do we actually want to meet God? The second issue, which I think can easily be seen to flow out of this passage, is how do you actually deal with your guilt and your shame, your sin? We all carry guilt. We all carry some form or sense of shame. 
maybe even as we look around in this place, we see one another's eyes and we look into them. We may even be reminded of incidents where we have acted less than wholesomely towards others. And certainly when we go out beyond the church into the, the hearts and lives of other people, we're reminded that we have not always lived as we, we should have. We've not always acted as we should have. And, and we carry that, that, that guilt. We're reminded of our moral lapses. We're reminded of our greed and our pride. We're reminded of our, our selfishness. And that list goes on and on. So how do you deal with guilt? And of course, you can deal with it either like the Pharisee or you can deal with it like the taxman. And what did the Pharisee do is that he focused on what he didn't do. Now, what we read in this passage, I thank God I'm not like this other guy who does whatever. I am completely different. He spoke about the sins he didn't do. And the good thing about speaking about the sins that we don't do is that it makes us feel good. And it may even be that when you look at somebody else and you think of somebody else, you might even wonder, how could that person be so bound by that particular sin? Let's imagine if it was gambling and you wonder to yourself, how could that have such a stranglehold on somebody's life that it really messes up their life and has ruined their life? And you think about yourself is that it's, I can easily walk away from that. That wouldn't be a trouble for me. And the danger when you look at other people's sins is that we, we think we're greater selves. And because we're not affected by that particular sin, we think good about ourselves. But we're all wired differently. And because we are all wired differently, different sins have a, a stronger pull and a hold on us. So what pulls you will be different from what pulls me because we are all different. And the danger of only thinking of the things that we don't do is that we think that we are great guys and great girls and that we're super and we're wonderful. Where in reality, thinking about what we don't do creates a smokescreen around which we hide what we actually do. And so the Pharisee, I think, he focused on what he didn't do. And of course, the other part of that is that he compared himself to others. I mean, that's, again, in verse 11, he stood by himself and he prayed, thank you, God, that I am not like other people. But how did the tax collector deal? Verse 13, he stood at a distance. He wouldn't even look up to heaven, but he beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Have mercy on me, a sinner. Now that could potentially be argued that's a very weak translation of what is intended or what is meant there. Because if you go back to the original, what he's really saying here, and the language doesn't fit with what we use in a modern context, but what he says is, God, be propitiated towards me, a sinner. Now, even as I say that, you can see why the translation says what it says. Because God, be propitiated to me, a sinner, just doesn't really connect with us and what, what it actually means. But this 
can only be understood where you, where you remember where the tax man is and what he's actually looking at. Because of course he's in the temple and he's in the temple at the hour of prayer. And when you remember at the hour of prayer what he's actually looking at, he's looking at the actions of the priest at the altar, taking a dead animal, sprinkling its blood upon the altar. And what the tax man is looking at and thinking about in those moments as he sees the blood staining, the, and he sees the, the stain of blood upon that altar, he understands that God has done something there and it is being directed towards him. So what the tax man is doing is that he is asking for God's remedy for sin to be applied to himself. And he remembers that there can be no forgiveness for sin without the shedding of blood, Hebrews 9, 22. And nor can we get blasé just thinking, well, when it comes to forgiveness, that's what God does. That's his job. It's simple. It's sweet. He always does it. He always comes up trump. We need to, tr to treat the death, the sacrifice of what God has done for us in Jesus with a degree of seriousness because our salvation cost Jesus deeply. So let's not minimize sin either, saying everybody does it. We don't underestimate the penalty that our sins deserve. And like this tax man, he sees what Jesus has done for him. I see the blood. I know the cost. And Lord, turn your anger from me. So as we reflect today and how we actually deal with our guilt and our sin, you can deal with it as the Pharisee deals with it, comparing yourself to others, thanking God that you're not like others, thinking about your own achievements. And there are countless numbers of people, and that's the way they deal with it. And yet the biblical way, the way that the New Testament reminds us and what we need to do is that if we want to hear the words of Jesus pronounced over us, verse 14, if you read it with me, I tell you that this man, the tax collector, rather than the other, went home justified before God for all those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. We need to stand where the tax collector stood. And that's what the Lord's table is really about. It reminds us in a very graphic way about the death of Jesus and how Jesus stood in that gap for us. That's what we think about in the, the quietness and in the silence of our, of our service later on. And as we take these elements of bread and wine, we are reminding ourselves of what Jesus did on the cross and how the Son of God gave himself willingly and freely for us and that his blood literally was shed and his body was broken so that we might be forgiven and that we say we need this. We need this forgiveness because there is no other way and that my salvation is full and free and complete and we come to find forgiveness. Because like the tax collector, we are the sinner. No point comparing ourselves to others, but as it were in God's sight, I'm worse than anybody else. I'm not better than, than anybody else and I want to meet God today and I desperately need to meet God today.
today. Let's pray. Our Father, as we have in a very simple way reflected upon your word and your truth, make your word, make your book live to us, Lord. Bring these words constantly again back into our remembrance so that we, we see the power in them. We, we see how you can change us and how you can empower us to live for you. Lord, as we see ourselves, but even more than that, we want to see you because you are the one who enables us to deal with our sin and our guilt as we leave it at the cross. We ask your forgiveness. So Lord, may today we see Jesus and see Jesus afresh. Amen.